going to start the ser- sermon series on fear and, and on courage. And so I have a couple of scriptures for you um, just, just, just to, to start us off here. And these are some scriptures that I think are really um, going to be the, the two pillar scriptures over the next two weeks. Number one is Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. And these, this is probably a scripture you've heard before. But it says, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Have fear, have anxiety for nothing. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. That's key right there, with thanksgiving. Uh, So many times I think we're anxious for stuff because we're not grateful. And we don't thank God enough for what he's done for us, and we're not grateful enough for what we got. And so we want more stuff, and that creates anxiety. Well, that's a good spot to say amen right there, but you missed it. It's over. Uh, (laughs) Evie's late to the party. Uh, With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And this is what we really need. And the peace of God that surpasses all comprehension, all understanding, that peace will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Wouldn't it be awesome if this next season, the fall of 2015, we had the peace of God guarding our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Wouldn't it be awesome if our kids had the peace of God guarding their hearts and their college students, high school students, if our teachers had the peace of God guarding their hearts and their minds. And that's my prayer. That's, that's, that's really, that's the focus. That's the goal. I want the peace of God to be like a guard at the door of our hearts and our minds so that nothing gets in that God doesn't allow in. And uh, nothing comes out of our mouth that God doesn't. And we have this guard over us and protecting us. Um, also, 2 Timothy 1, 7 says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. This is my main scripture for today. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And so occasionally, um, my wife doesn't really like it when I do this, but it's kind of fun uh, occasionally to just annoy her a little bit. So what I want you to do is I want to turn to the person next to you. Some would call them your neighbor, but I just call them the people next to you. And this is what I want you to tell them. I want you to tell them, I do not have the spirit of fear. Now, you might feel like you're afraid, but according to this scripture, if you're a child of God, you can honestly turn to the other person on the other side and tell them, I do not (laughs) have the spirit of fear. Some of you just lied right now. You just lied. Lord, forgive you for lying in church. Um, You need to, but sometimes you just got to say it even when you feel afraid, even when you feel anxious and nervous. You just need to say, I do not, I have not been given a spirit of fear. So if I have a spirit of fear, it's something I haven't been given. It's something I picked up along the way. And so I need to set that down because I do not have a spirit of fear. And you say, well, what about the, the, the American economy? You know, what about the dollar? I don't, I don't really know about that, but I do not have a spirit of fear. Well, what about ISIS? Aren't they in Texas or something? Don't they have like training? I don't know, but I do not have a spirit of fear. Right? I'm not ignorant. I'm going to bury my head in the wall. What about Iran and the nuclear weapons that they're not producing? I don't know, but I do not have a spirit of fear. I refuse to allow like, like, you know, like conspiracy theorists and all sorts of things creep into my mind and give me a spirit of fear because I have not been given a spirit of fear. 
And so this is something that I think that we just have to learn to reject. Like, the spirit of fear, like, you can't turn on the news without, without getting tempted to get the spirit of fear. You can't, you can't browse social media without being tempted to have the spirit. But we need to learn to just reject that and be like, I do not have the spirit of fear. And the kind of spirit that we do have is the spirit of love, of power, and a sound mind. The actual uh, the sound mind means disciplined mind. So a mind that is intentional, an intentionally disciplined mind. I don't let my mind wander to all sorts of things. Uh, I have an intentionally disciplined mind. And, and so um, anyway, we were, I, was, I was thinking this week about how can I demonstrate this? How can I, how can I illustrate this to you all? And, um, and so this is where I'm going to tell you the actual title of the sermon series. Um, I think probably the way that we're going to talk about this for the next two weeks is from a very profound, um, very, very, very profound, just biblical um, uh, theologian, uh, and his name is Nacho. And uh, so we're going to be talking about <laughs> Nacho religion, because um, if you're wondering what brings courage to your life, it's Nacho religion. Um, if you're wondering what brings salvation to your life, it's Nacho religion. So we're going to talk about Nacho Religion, because honestly, some of the most scared people I've ever met are church people. Like, some of the most fearful people are people who grew up in church, and they heard about how God was just getting ready to zap them. And so they live their life in fear. And so I want to, I want to come against that, and I want to come against the spirit of fear, and I want to let you know about who God really is. And Nacho's a pretty good guy to share that with. So um, we got a couple of clips from Nacho. Number one, Nacho, uh, th- number one, there, there, there is a fear of God. That is good. That is godly. There is a, there's a respect for God. But unfortunately, many of us in our culture, we have a fear that's not good. We are like afraid of God. And we think that uh, God is like getting ready to zap us, getting ready to come down on us. And, and this is honestly, this is something that Nacho dealt with. Um, Nacho really wanted to be, for those of you who've been buried under a rock somewhere and you don't know about Nacho, uh, Nacho Libre, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's a monk with the brothers and uh, he's, got, he's got his, shut up. <laughs> no, I'm just being serious. It's all right. Um, oh, man. Uh, anyway, the fear of God. I'm getting off. I'm, I, well, I'll give you a hug afterward. Um, the fear of, <laughs> of God. He's, he's this monk, and he's, he's doing it not because he loves God. He's doing it because it's just what fell into his lap. And he is like this monk, and he's got all these rules, and he cannot wrestle, which he really wants to do. He really wants to wrestle. And, and he sees the wrestlers, the luchadors, and he says, you know, those guys, those guys are really making it, right? Those guys, and that's his dream, but he can't pursue that dream because, well, God, you know, is kind of is squishing him and keeping him in this place. And so I have this little video that kind of demonstrates Nacho's thoughts um, surrounding this. Check it out. What's wrong with you? But sister, they are just niños trying to release their wiggles. Ignacio, they are wrestling in a sacred place. Okay, orphans, listen to me. Listen to Ignacio. I know it is fun to wrestle. A nice pile drive to the face. Or a punch to the face. 
But you cannot do it. Because it is in the Bible not to wrestle your neighbor. So you've never wrestled? Me? No, come on. Don't be crazy. Listen, I know the wrestlers get all the fancy ladies, and the clothes, and the free creams and lotions. But my life is good. Really good. I get to wake up every morning at 5 a.m. make some soup. It's the best. I love it. I get to lay in a bed by myself all of my life. It's fantastic. Go. Go away. Read some books. Read some books. <laughs> oh, Nacho finds himself, you know, stuck in this place. He's, he's stuck in this place where he feels like God is like, you know, making him not wrestle. God is making him sleep in a bed all by himself for the rest of his life. It's fantastic. And, you know, this is kind of his view. And this, this, this squashes him because he's made to be a wrestler. And we see this later on. I mean, he's created to wrestle, you know. And like this, I, sorry about the accent. I, I'll try to stay white because I'm very white anyway. There's no denying that. So, you know, he, 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 he's excited about wrestling. That's what stirs him up. That's what is his life. But God is like keeping him down. God's holding them down. And, 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 I think, and I think our culture has gotten that, honestly, sometimes from, like, religion itself. Like, sometimes that's what uh, religion has used to, like, get us to conform to religion is fear tactics. It's like, well, you know, if you don't come to church, then God's going to zap you or God's not going to like you. Um, uh, you know, and even if you do go to church, you still might not make it, you know. So you got to go to church. You got to do all these things in order to make it because God's not really sure about you. He's not real sure if, he's, if he likes you or not. So you have to perform in a certain way in order for God to like you. And it starts really kind of at the beginning of the road. I mean, it starts at the very beginning. Fear comes into the very beginning, like at, at the altar call of, of asking people if they want to accept Jesus, the loving Jesus into their heart. Um, when I was six years old, um, our church back in the 80s, um, we did a little something called Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. Anybody remember that? Um, yeah, like for a whole week we did it. And, and my parents were volunteering, so we were serving in the church. So I watched Heaven's Gates, like the drama, Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames, like every day, Monday. I think it was Monday through Thursday or Friday, something like that. I got saved every day. Because I didn't want to go to Hell's Flames, right? Because there was like these three different, four different stories. Like these kids are doing drugs and they die. And they go, ah, they're going to hell. And then these people are, I don't know, they're, they're cursing or something. And they crash. And, they, and then they, they, they get drug off by these demons to hell. And it's like, you don't want to go to hell. So you better accept the loving Jesus into your heart. So you don't go to hell. Well, okay, I'll get that. You know, and, and so and, you know, then you're, you're a kid, and then and so, and it's it's like powerful. It's big. It's like, oh my goodness, I don't want to go to hell. And the thing is, I was already saved. Like I had already asked Jesus in my heart before that. And but man, I got double saved, triple saved. I got I got saved on top of saved. I mean, it was, there was so many layers of saved that God was like, definitely, I was going to be in. You know, and 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 unfortunately, so many times that's that's that's, that's the response that we're looking for. We're looking for people to be so scared of going to hell that they that, that they give their lives to Christ. And the problem is, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. 
God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. God hasn't given preachers a spirit of fear to, to, uh, to make people fearful. God's given us a spirit of love. The thing that Bible says draws us to God is not this fear, but it is this goodness of God. That God is so good that his goodness just overwhelms us. And we say, wow, I want to follow that. I want to serve him. And so we gladly, not out of fear, out of love, we lay down our sin. We step away from, you know, in heaven's gates and hell's flames. We step away from the drugs. We step away from all that. And we decide to follow Jesus out of a spirit of love. He has given us, by the way, a spirit. It's not a spirit of fear. It's a spirit of love. It's the love of God. It's the goodness of God that brings us to a place of repentance. And you should never, and I, I, I discourage people from, from coming to church because they feel like, you know, they, they have to. And I'm a pastor, and that's kind of weird. Most, most pastors are a little strange. But I, I don't want people doing stuff out of obligation. I want people doing stuff out of love. And so, you know, um, so even on our, on our little yard signs, we have um, check us out, dot, 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 or don't. You know, because uh, if you don't want to, man, like, don't. We all, we're looking for people that, that have a spirit of love, people that serve out of love, people that give, they, they give financially out of love, not because, oh, well, if I don't, then God's going to get me. People that, people that engage their callings and, and their giftings with the love of Christ. And when you, when you serve with love, when you give with love, when you live with love, you find that God is not, his, his, his restrictions are not restrictive. <laughs> his restrictions are blessings because he's keeping you from the ditch, from falling into it. And he's guarding your way, not because he's trying to force you into this, into this small channel, but because he's the one who made you and he knows exactly how you tick. He knows what will make you happy more than you know what will make you happy. So in this context, like Jesus knew that Nacho was a wrestler and uh, it was Nacho's own religion that was keeping him bound and being a monk and not pursuing what God had called him to be. And so God knows what you're called to be. God knows what will fit you. God knows what will make you happy more than you do. And the greatest lie of our culture is that when you do what thou wilt, that then thou wilt be happy. <laughs> you can go ahead and do what thou wilt, but it will always end in misery. It will always, because you don't know what makes you happy. Did you ever think about that? Like, you don't even decide to breathe. You don't consciously, like, think, I'm going to breathe now. You don't. You just take a breath. Like, you've taken several breaths, some of you, since you've been in here. <laughs> Some of you are going to need to check afterward and see if everything's still working. But uh, another church joke, sorry. Um, the breath in your lungs is just automatic. It's just all your body just does it. No, you don't have to tell your heart to beat. You don't have to tell your lungs to breathe. These are things that are keeping your vital signs going, keeping you alive. So who's doing that? Who's commanding those things? Well, that's God. God created the system in your body and in your life that keeps that going. He keeps that rolling. The Bible says that he leads out the stars at night. So he, so in all of their orbits and all, I mean, like 40, is it 20 septillion stars in the sky. God's leading them all, each one in their own orbit. He set them in that orbit and now he's leading them and he calls them out by name. So God's pretty smart. He knows a lot and he knows you intimately and deeply from the, to the very, the, 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 the atoms, the protons and neutrons that are making your body exist, he's holding those things together. It's all held together by energy. He's holding them together. And so you can trust him. You can trust that he loves you. You can trust his love 
in your life that you can follow him because of love. I think the other main uh, uh, thing that we need to talk about are some fears that we have. We have, of course, a fear of God that's not healthy. Uh, we have, we're afraid of him. We're afraid of what he's going to do. We're afraid of that he doesn't like us. We're afraid he doesn't accept us. And by faith, man, you just need to accept that he does. And it's not because you're worthy. It's not even because you're likable. <laughs> it's because he's good. It's because he's good. It's because he is so good. And it's not because I'm likable or I can present anything to him or prove myself to him. It, on, my, on my best days, he's good. On my worst days, he's good. It's based on him. And so, but that's faith. That's faith saying, I believe that I've been given a spirit of love. I believe I've been not a spirit of fear, a spirit of love. And so I accept that. I receive that love. I receive that spirit of love right now for me personally, not for everybody else, but for me. And so the fear of God, the unhealthy fear of God is, is something that, 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 that I think God's love just overwhelms and takes care of. But also we have a fear of man. Many of us, especially those of us who are a little bit religious, we've been in church for a while, we uh, have a fear of what other people think of us. We often have a fear of how other people perceive us. And what's really interesting about that is it's pretty much impossible to even tell what other people think about you. Um, uh, there's, a, there's a psychologist, he did a study, his name was Thomas um, Gilovich. And he uh, decided that there's something uh, in the psyche of human beings called the spotlight, spotlight effect. That's what he called it. And it is basically this, this observation that people generally think that people notice them much more than they actually notice them. Um, so you're sitting here in this room today, and you're, you, you think that, that people notice you, people, people see you. And hopefully, in a life-giving church, hopefully we do see you, we do embrace you. But on a typical day, uh, most of the time, people are not necessarily observing you because people are observing themselves because they think you're watching them. So you think they're watching you, they think you're watching them. And so they did a study on this in a college classroom, and they, they had a number of students in this class wear these bizarre shirts one day, like really, really offensive shirts with, with um, uh, guys' faces on them, like Hitler and Stalin, and just, you know, just like really kind of out there stuff you don't normally see. And they had them just go to class like normal. Well, these people who were wearing the shirts, they, were, they, they reported afterward that they got these, these looks from people, they got these this whispers and stares, and man, it was, it was, it was, they, they, were, they reported that they were highly noticed. <laughs> and then they interviewed the other students who were there, who not wearing the shirts, apparently talking bad about these people, looking down on them. And they asked them, um, you know, what shirts were your classmates wearing yesterday? And they couldn't even remember. They said, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I didn't notice. So it's amazing that we have as humans an ability to project this idea that people are looking at us. Meanwhile, those people are also projecting the same thing that we're looking at them. And none of us are really looking at each other very much. But the fear of man doesn't need for reality to, to hit you. Fear doesn't need reality. It just needs this, this presence, the spirit of fear inside of you to where you're fearful of what other people think. And what this does is it produces inside of us, uh, it produces, a, number one, it produces a desire to, to, to make fun of others or put others down because we feel like, that will help us be somewhat higher. Uh, we, we end up working for other people's approval. 
We end up hiding our weaknesses. We don't want to share anything that we're going through or have gone through. We don't want to be open or, or vulnerable. Uh, we're, we're, we're also very susceptible to peer pressure. When people, when people suggest things and people uh, seem to want us to do a certain thing, we're very susceptible to that because we want their approval. We want them to like us. And this desire to be liked, this desire to be uh, loved ends up turning us into people who really hate ourselves. We don't like us. We like what other people think about us, but we don't really like the real us. And so we're content as long as people think a certain thing about us. It doesn't really matter who the real us is because we don't like the real us. We just like this projection, this idea, this uh, you know, Instagram sort of uh, the snapshot of us, filter. We like the filtered life. We like to look a certain way. And that's what we, that's what we go for. It's what we strive for. And so, so we become self-doubters. We become bitter whenever people withhold their approval. Like, how dare they withhold their approval? Because that's the most important thing in the world for those of us that have a fear of man, a spirit of fear of, of people. It becomes an emotional roller coaster. We go up and down based on uh, how we perceive whether or not people like us today or not. Uh, we become quite double-minded because we don't necessarily make up our own mind. We kind of look for other people to give, send us cues as to whether or not this is really a good idea or not. Uh, people make us jealous when other people are approved of and we seem like we're not. We become angry and we, we can't control our emotions and we, we, we avoid real relationship because we don't want people to really see us. These are all sort of fruit of the fear of people, the fear of, of man. And, and uh, uh, Nacho was also kind of in this same scenario. And so uh, this next clip here is um, Nacho with the, some of the guys that he's trying to please. There are no spices. Where are the chips? Somebody stole them. Did you not tell them that they were the Lord's chips? I was trying to. You are useless, Ignacio. Silence, brother. This is the worst lunch I ever had. Your only job is to cook. Do you not realize I have had diarrhea since Easter's? Okay. <laughs> and, it, and it paralyzes us. It paralyzes us when people don't approve. It paralyzes us when people are looking down on the way we did something or what we said or what we didn't say. Psalm 56, 3 through 4, we don't have it on the screen, but it says, whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you, in God. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear. What can man do to me? There has to come a point when you reject the fear of people and the fear of what other people think. And not because you just don't care, not because you're bitter and hardened and I don't care what you think, but because honestly your trust is in God. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power. The fear of man is very unempowering. It sucks our power right out of us. It takes the power out of us to step out, to say anything, to do anything for God. It just drains us of power. And if you step into this school season with a fear of people, you're going to step in powerless. 
because you're always going to be checking with other people to see if you should feel this way or think this way or be this way or dress this way or look this way or act this way. And yet, when you trust in God, when you put your faith in God, he gives you a spirit of power. And that power is not a callousness. It's not a callousness toward other people, but it is an absolute knowing that you are already approved of. That you don't have to prove yourself. That you don't have to have people approve of you. You are already approved of. God has already got his stamp of approval on your life. And what other people think, if they like you, then hey, that's a bonus. <laughs> if they don't like you, well, then that's their loss. Because God has already approved of me. God already values me. He already says that I am his. He already says that I am valuable and I don't need somebody else's assessment of me to agree with his value. I am deciding to agree with his value. Personally, I'm rejecting the spirit of fear. I'm accepting the spirit of power. Isn't that amazing? God would give us a spirit of power and that comes through faith. Finally, there is a fear of failure, and uh, of course, Nacho faces this, and I don't have a clip for that, but Nacho definitely fears failure. He, 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 he sees these great luchadors, and he says, I'm going to be like them, but he knows that he can't really wrestle, and he's not like Ramses. Uh, he struggles to be the great guy that he just, he just wants to be, and he fears failure. He, he really believes that he can't do this, um, and then he finally, just by faith, gets into the ring, which is really what we have to do. We have to, by faith, obey God and step into the ring so that we receive the spirit of love, the spirit of power, and the spirit of a disciplined mind. And this is where a disciplined mind will help you overcome the spirit of fear, fear of failure. Because oftentimes when we face things in life, we face things that seem impossible, we come into situations where we feel quite inadequate, um, like, oh, I don't know, planting a church. <laughs> right, Ricky? That's lots of fun. Feel inadequate. Feel like, man, I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not the right guy for the job. But what you have to do in those times is put your faith in God, put your faith in the promises of God. So I have a few promises for you. If you'd like to know where the scriptures are, I can get them to you after service. But number one, God, these are some things that God promises you. God promises all of us. He promises us freedom from addictions. If you're dealing with an addiction, God has a promise for freedom of addictions for you. It's a lie of the enemy that says that this is just the way you are and this is the way you're always going to be. God promises freedom from addiction. He promises uh, that, that your needs will be met. The Bible says that my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. There is, there is, God's got everything covered as far as your needs go. You don't need to worry about that. You don't need to fear about that. God promises deliverance from depression. God promises forgiveness of all of your sins. <laughs> No matter who remembers your sins, God promises to forget them. All of your sins, all of them. God promises forgiveness of all your sins. God promises health, that, that, that the stripes that were on Christ's back were for our healing, and that he has paid that debt. He's paid that price. He promises us peace. If you're living without peace, it's because you're not believing in the promise of God. It's because you're not putting your faith in the promise of God. You're allowing the enemy, to the spirit of fear, to come in you and question whether or not God really has things under control. Well, God promises peace. 
that the peace of God could guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. He promises freedom from demonic powers. He promises a filling of the Holy Spirit. He promises you joy, guidance, and strength. These are some things that God promises. And anytime we doubt these, what we're doing is we're doubting God's promise. And so we need to put our faith in the promises of God and the unfailing promises of God. And ultimately, the greatest promise and the promise that we started our church off with uh, seven months ago, exactly seven months ago today, is when Jesus said that the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I have come that you may have life. Ultimately, God promises you life and life more abundantly. And I would just add, kind of like Bob Hemp says, that it's not just a life out there somewhere, but he promises you your life. He promises life right here, right now. This isn't something that you get if, if you attend church regularly and then die. It's something that he promises you right now, life right now. And unfortunately, what many of us do, because we, we accept the spirit of fear into our life, what we do is we try to, like, hide our life. Like, almost like a tree. I was thinking about a Christmas tree this morning. It's like a Christmas tree. I like Christmas trees. I like decorating Christmas trees. I love Christmas time. Like, the past two months, I've just been listening to Christmas music over and over and over. And I don't know if I'm weird or if, what that's all about. But even, like, during setup, I, had, I, was, I was playing Christmas carols, the, like, a couple weeks ago. And people were like, this is weird. You're a weird pastor. And, um... I said, yes, 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 I am. But this is what I like right now, you know, and jingle bells, let's do it. And uh, so I'm just listening to, to Christmas music. Well, I love Christmas time, and I love when a tree is set, and I love the glow in the living room, and you just hang out, and just it's just beautiful. My, my, my parents have always, like, done up Christmas trees really well, and uh, my mom, like, just blows it out of the water, which, by the way, my parents are here with us today. I'm excited about that. I didn't even make you stand up. Um, but yeah, they were here with us when we launched and they, they came back for the weekend. But my mom makes the most beautiful Christmas trees and it's like super girly um, with bows and ribbons and like things all. It doesn't even look like a tree anymore. It's, it's, a, it's a cone-shaped lighted thing. And um, I mean, like when Ro visited, she took pictures because she's like, I've never seen a tree like this before, you know? She's taking pictures. Um, but it's one of those things where you, 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 you decorate it and that's great. But I think sometimes our lives are kind of like Christmas trees. Like we try to decorate it so that people can't even see the tree anymore. And we hang all sorts of ornamentation around us. And, 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 and some people, for some people, it's like their accomplishments. It's like as soon as you talk to them, they, they, they got to tell you about the degree they got. They got to tell you about what they've done and how their business is going. It's going really good, man. Oh, oh. And we sometimes make it spiritual. Like, the Lord's blessing me. Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. And, you know, anyway, some of you don't know. But that's cool. Um, I know, and uh, so, you know, it's, uh, I'm, I'm too blessed to be stressed. Uh, I'm too anointed to be disappointed. That's what Emilio says. That's real. I'm too cheerful to ever be fearful. <laughs> you, didn't, you never heard that one. That was, that was Emilio. That's the amen section right there. You know, it's like, it's, like, it's like, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. And we, we, we put our most, come on, somebody. <laughs> You're trying to give me a signal. This is time to go. Okay. But we hang these religious ornaments or we hang our accomplishments, and that's what we want to talk about. That's all we'll talk about. 
Because, you know, we think if you see the shiny thing in me, if you see the shiny thing hanging on my life, then you'll be impressed. Then you'll like me. Then I, you know what? Then, then it'll be great. And, and, and for some of us, it's, it's, it's worked. For some of us, we're successful in that area. Others were not that successful in, 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 in that area. But for other people, it's like their kids. Like, man, like, you know, my three-year-old's doing algebra right now in the room next door. She's a genius, you know. My son can do anything. Really good. Anything. Really? Any, wow, okay. You know, it's like, whoa, okay. Well, like, I didn't ask, but that's cool, you know. We're glad that you, you know, our prodigies are all around us. And, and, but but, but, but they, that's kind of their ornamentation that they hold on to and they present. For others, it's like they're times of escape, right? It's like, my life is good when I'm on vacation. My life is good when I have this escape. My life is good when I, when I, when I, when I, when, and, 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 and it's like they're not, sometimes it feels like they're just hiding from the actual tree. And so sometimes I think we approach Jesus and he says, look, I have life for you and it's more abundant. And we're like, yeah, yeah, I really love that because I need a star on top of my tree, like another ornamentation. That's what I need. But that's not what God is promising you. He's not promising you another shiny thing to hold up and say, oh, look at me. Look, look what I'm doing. Check it out. Like I'm going to church on Sunday, the world's most okayest church. Come on, somebody. Like I'm really cool because I have this, this, this badge. But that's not what God does. In fact, when you come to God, what happens is he starts taking ornaments off. Like stuff you're holding on to. But Lord, I really need that. Like I got to have that. Like seriously, this is how my, my identity is wrapped. I got I to gotta be like, this is me. You're killing me. You're taking me. No, no, I'm not taking you. I'm just taking the ornamentation off. And what God's offering you is not another ornament, is not another thing to make people like you. He's offering you just you. <laughs> like just the tree. What if you sat in your living room and there was no noise and there was no busyness to keep you distracted and it was just you and you thought, man, I am really lucky to be me. Not because you're prideful, but because you realize how much God values you. Just you. What if, what if it was just you and your kids and you said, man, I'm really lucky to have these kids even when they're not being so well behaved, even when they don't get great grades, even when they don't live up to your expectations what if what if just the tree was valuable what if the tree was enough what if you didn't need the other stuff what if you didn't need the accomplishments what if you didn't need the salary what if what if it was just you and you and God and you were happy with that if you didn't need a vacation what if you didn't need to escape life to feel good about life what if just life itself was so good that's what God's offering you. That's the promise of life for you. You say, well, I'm like a million miles from that because I my life, and, and that's, that's great. It starts with one step. <laughs> and like I've been saying pretty much all service, it's, it starts with faith. Faith that God does in fact have this for you. Faith that God can in fact do this in you. Faith that this is not just something out there, but this is reality. This is something I can hold on to and walk with in this season in my life. I can step into September 2015 with the knowledge that this is my life, that I am the tree that Christ died for. I am the tree that Christ thinks is worthy. I am the tree that's approved of Christ, that's, that's loved by Christ, that's known fully and yet accepted completely, that's understood entirely and yet completely loved and completely embraced. There's not a part of me that he rejects. There's not a part of me that he dismisses. There's not a part of me that he doesn't love. He embraces all of me and my weakness 
and my strengths, my failings, and my, my successes. That's what he's offering us. That's the life that he's offering, and that's what gets rid of fear. One of the things that um, I've noticed just as people come into City Chapel, one of the things they keep saying is, this is such a peaceful place to rest. Like, I can just take a breath. And we've actually noticed that. We noticed that early on with Ro and I. Um, we would, as my wife, we would hang out with new people, just our family. Um, and we still do that, actually. We're doing that tonight. Um, we're having a newcomer's meal. It's in your worship guide. That's my advertisement. Um, we'd love for you to come. Um, we want you to get to know us. And, um, and what we've noticed is that as people get to know us, they're like, you guys are so at rest. You're so at peace. You're so, I don't know, chill. talk to other pastors, and, I, and I've said, guys, you know, you need to hang out with your people. Just let them hang around your family. And they're like, oh, I don't know if we can do that. <laughs> what, what are you talking about? Well, it's kind of crazy, I don't know. And so, you know, my advice is, well, then don't try to pastor if you don't want people to hang out with your family. Because that's just, that's just what you produce with your family, and you just kind of gather people like you, and you just help people. If you don't have a family that other people want to be like, it's probably not a good idea. Work on your family first and then go plant a church. And um, and for Ro and for Ro and I, this hasn't always been this way for me personally. I haven't always been at rest. I, I, I've, I've, I know what it is to strive for approval. I know what it is to serve God because that makes me feel like I'm worthy then. If I do a really good job, I know what it is to think that, you know, if I, if I really do a good job for God, then, 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 then that's my identity, and I'm, and I'm happy. People like me. They like me when I'm funny. They like me when I preach. They like, it's a good time to say amen right there, people. Anyway, whatever. I don't need you. Um, but I know what it is to even do good things for God, and still the motivation is kind of checking to make sure I'm okay. And there was a time in my life when God just shut all that down. And he's like, you're not preaching. You're not doing anything. And I was like, God, well, I'm worthless then. And I really felt that. And God's like, yeah, you are. So deal with it. <laughs> I don't need you, Harry. I don't need your preaching. I don't need your ideas. I, don't, I just don't need it. But I love you for you. And I want you just to be my son, not my employee. And so that's, I've experienced that in my life. And I want that for each and every one of you. I want you to know what it is to be a son and a daughter of God. And the life that he gives where it's just the tree and you're cool with that. And so if you'd like to receive that love today, I just want to give you an opportunity. We're going to bow our heads and, and close our eyes. And we're going to take two minutes right now just, just without